Welcome to Watershed's May podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove. I'm a cinema curator at Watershed. Um, I'm delighted to welcome you to the, the, the podcast where we re reopen um, for the third time, but hopefully this will be Watershed reopening for good. Let's, let's hope so. And certainly that's what I'm planning. And I was, I'm also joined by Dave Taylor um, from one of Bristol's great film loving institutions, 20th Century Flicks. Uh, hi, Dave. Hi, Mark. Um, I was just saying, we're obviously reopening uh, and we're recording this just after the Oscars. Uh, yeah. And I was so, I don't know about you, but I was so thrilled by the winners. Well, the range of films that were up for nominations. It was such a kind of diverse and, and independent range of films that yeah. really seem to represent, a, 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 you know, kind of broader range of, of filmmaking. And I am even more delighted that we're going to be reopening Watershed Cinemas with a whole bunch of those films. And people might have seen it and, and will remember, hopefully, Francis McDormand's Rallying Cry, which is for Nomadland and all the other films, which is go and see this film in the biggest screen you can. Yeah. Again, absolutely delighted to say Nomadland will be the film, one of the films that we reopen with. I managed to see it when we screened it in October as part of the London Film Festival on tour and Cinema One at Watershed, and it did look absolutely fantastic. It, it's, it's like a lot of films, is available on uh, streaming platforms, but that difference that cinema makes is just so kind of profound that, that, that you know, that is what the, you are reminded what the experience of, of cinema is like. Uh, but have you seen any of the films or did you, did you watch the, the, the Oscars? It's the first, it's the first year in 10 years that I haven't stayed up at the video shop um, with a load of booze watching the Oscars. And I missed it terribly, even though every, every time it comes around when I'm, when I'm able to watch it, I just have this like feeling like, why am I doing this again? It's just mind numbing and terrible and nothing I like ever wins. And every year I sit through it and every year I just enjoy it. And, and this, this time I just, I just sat up in bed listening to, um, listening to it on the audio. And, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't the same. It was like, yeah. like it was like, it, it was kind of representative of, of the year that forgot cinema yeah. and that, you know, like all these, it's just so, I don't know, it was a weird disassociating well, ceremony. There's a strange melancholy about it because, uh, it, well, if you, I, I saw the highlights of it and, and it was that sort of socially distanced um, and it was kind of subdued, but yet the films, yeah. I, I, you know, they're really fantastic. I don't know if you've managed to see any and, and do you watch streaming platforms or are you strictly... I do, a, I do, yeah. and because um, we've got these, you know, cinemas at the video shop, um, I was able to stream some of them. Um, when they were available. I've been saving Nomadland. I'll probably come and watch that at the watershed, I think. But I, I saw one of the, like I saw Cl uh, her, Chloe Zhao's last film, The Rider, at the watershed. And that was amazing. And, and there was a, a good Q&A with them. Um, well, that's right, because um, Tara, who was working with us um, then, had the pleasure of interviewing, I've forgotten his name, but the main the main person yeah. in the writer. I'm surprised who, she managed to keep it together. He was a, he's a very charming man. He Well, he is a bona fide dude. I know, he's a proper cowboy. <laughs> he's a proper cowboy, complete with boots and hat and everything. And But there is that feeling of, of authenticity about Chloe Zhao's 
films, which which comes across in, in Nomadland absolutely. And and the the cinematographer, who, if I'm not mistaken, actually, is the cinematographer not Southwest? Is he not from Cornwall? The cinematographer for Nomadland? No idea. I've got a feeling he might be. You need, need to check it. You need to get the fact checker on that one. But I, mm. I think might be. But the cinematography is really, really superb and is so deserving of that that big screen um, feel to it. Because I think at this at this time, I mean, when people have, you know, there's a lot available on on many many different formats. People are are consuming um, films probably at, at an incredible an incredible rate. Um, but talking about your um, your business, 20th Century Flex, are you are you open then? Have you, have you been open during COVID by sort of mail order or or? Yeah, I mean, we didn't really stop like the mail order side of things. We just decided, made a decision. There were two of us. Um, me and Paul, who just decided we were just going to come in every day, once a day, on, as part of our subscribed or prescribed constitutional, and uh, and just take take requests for movies and post them out to people during that time. Yeah. So, but it was it was it wasn't in any way a financially viable. Setup. Yeah. It was more for our sanity and and to keep. There are a lot of people who are really kind of relying on us as their only communication a lot of the time, and and a lot of people were going we're go, kind of going back regressing a little and, and sort of taking that time of being trapped with their loved ones to educate them in terms of their their cultural identity and sort of like if you want to understand me you've got to watch young sherlock holmes or you've got to watch <laughs> dial m for murder what you know all these films that people just had time to 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 get to watch and, and sort of were yeah. very much a comfort viewing sort that, of that, exercise that, that, that big, that's a great um that's a great strand for somebody to do, isn't it? I mean, you know how Sight and Sound do that kind of top 10, critics top 10? Mm. They, 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 there should be something about, you know, if you want to understand me. Yeah. And then, and then, but that, that's it. I mean, it's almost like fingerprints. I mean, some some people, like, we've got very, very discerning clientele. Yeah. And some of the movies, they were they were getting out and sort of insisting people watch. You know, there's, there's like, you know, old John, John Hughes movies, like it's like old like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, just like yeah. stuff that um, you know I think I think and, and certainly for me I I couldn't watch films that had any kind of serious psychological inquiry yeah, yeah. In yeah. For, for a while, and um and a lot of people were the same. They were just like oh, I just want to watch that like it's very much sort of this um I don't really want to call it comfort viewing, but it's it's it's, it's like an intimate autobiographical yeah. uh, sort of genre that people were going for in the end I'm just I like I've, I've found myself um I found myself going to Jack Reacher yeah there you go you know I mean it's it's it, there's a kind of simplicity about that world even though it's a kind of complex and crazy world but you yeah you know that Tom Cruise will come through <laughs> come through in the end well I, I went I went the other Tom I sort of just I just started hitting the Tom Hanks movies and I started I started it ironically because like my dad was like oh you know you're watching all this but I'm just I've been watching a lot of Tom Hanks so I was like all right I'll join you on that and I just and I, I just absolutely loved everything I watched with yeah. Tom Hanks in all my critical faculties went out the window he's a kind of moral compass isn't, oh, isn't he Tom Hanks different from yeah. Tom Cruise yeah yeah he's a l- little bit less complex in terms of um yeah in terms of agreeing them with with their philosophical outlook and yeah, Tom yeah. Hanks is a bit more yeah, I don't know. Like that's the thing. I always thought he's just he'll, straight. He'll negotiate. He'll negotiate rather than punch them. Yeah, that's, that's the difference, isn't it? Yeah, he'll use his words. <laughs> but listen, just to just to sort of spill back a bit, as they say, I'm I'm old enough, Dave, to 
ha, have seen the birth of VHS rental shops, mm. um, and and I've and then to see them develop into DVD and Blu-ray hire shops, of which there were many. Every high street had a, a VHS rental, and then you know um, DVD uh, Blu-ray. And I've I've been here long enough to see them, the demise of them. But yeah, twentieth century flicks. Um, we endure. And endure, which is which is fantastic, and it's fantastic for for Bristol film culture, as I said. But just tell us a bit about the history. How did um how did given that this is a a, a national, if not international, podcast? Yeah. And just give us a bit of um the history of twentieth century flicks. Yeah, I mean it was it was started in nineteen eighty two. Um, in in Reading, so the, the year the year the year that Watershed started, funnily enough. Exactly, we're we're a film film sisters of Bristol. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was sort of like from from what I understand, it was it, like the 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 guy who set up Nigel Selman. He he wasn't. I mean, he loved movies, but like it was very much like a profitable, easy stoner industry to get into, in that you could you could make a lot of money with very. It was, it was a business, wasn't it? I mean, it was it was. It, it was very much a business, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's why it, it spread to high streets. It's like, you know, you can have, like, fads where, like, you'll see vaping shops set up all the time, and you'll see, like, just people, like, hop on, like, hop on these, these insanely profitable things where you don't need a huge amount of expertise or outlay, but the profits are really good. And that was video shops for the first five years of their, them existing from, like, you know, sort of 1980-ish to the mid-'80s. And they were very disreputable as well because they were, they were sort of seen as, like, you know, there was a lot of under-the-counter stuff going on. There was well, of course, kind because, of... because again, you know, showing my age here, but I remember, you, you know, you would go in and say, <clears throat> have you got um, <clears throat> um, Driller Killer? Uh, yeah. Have you got that, you know, which, I think there was actually a triple X category and there was certainly video nasties of which Driller Killer... Um, Very much. Yeah. And, you know, Br Britain was quite famous for its, its censorship. You know, the BBFC had a lot of teeth then so they could just prevent movies like you know when i when i was a kid the holy grail was you know things like the exorcist mm. um reservoir dogs i remember that got banned for like a good few years um clockwork orange was an interesting one because i think that was pulled by the director rather than anyone yeah, else yeah, no, it was but it was like these forbidden films that um yeah. that you couldn't watch in this country and it did it did lend, lend a certain amount of fetishizing of these forbidden films because once once they all got released you know and like when, when that sort of furore died down and they just said, oh, all right, just watch anything. Reservoir Dogs, you can watch Driller Killer, fine. Mm -hmm. And uh, and once they'd lost their licitousness, um, then then they sort of, that 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 side of video shops lost its lost its sort of um, slightly scandalous edge. And yeah. it became like, Flix was was kind of got its reputation for stocking like world cinema, essentially. Like it was just, it would stock, you know, peculiar European movies and sort of very much as part of that you know, Betty Blue posters on the walls and Big Blue and, and when when that sort of subculture that Bristol really embraced. And I think Watershed was very much part of that. We even had a category when we started out. We had like thriller, horror, drama, watershed type. Yeah, and that yeah. was a that was a genre we had was just watershed. I know, type. I remember because I, I when I when I first moved to Bristol um for a period I, I lived around the corner from the from from when you were in um, when you were up in Clifton. Yeah. Um, and I think I don't know if you I don't know if you were there before, but I think you might have had an Arnold Feeney section, and I might have spoken to somebody and said, 
<laughs> yeah. Hang on a minute, what's going on there? Surely, surely yeah. that should be more hardcore art, you know, it's more kind of filmmaker artists if it's Arnold Feeney, whereas, whereas it, it, there's a kind of watershed vibe that's needed. Well, that influence lasted until very recently. I think even on the most recent poster we did, it had watershed type as a genre. Yeah, right. <laughs> which is, which is pretty. It's pretty niche. Like it's just it's just yeah, a Bristol yeah, reference. Yeah, yeah. It's just shorthand. <laughs> but these are. I mean, that's what's brilliant about the uh, the, the the shop is it's it, it, well, it's just it just you know it feeds into what is Bristol's kind of very cinephile film loving culture, and it's those. You know the, the video shops that I knew, sort of, you know, when um, back in Glasgow, in Manchester, whatever. They they were like um, businesses, whereas it felt much more that what 20th Century Flex was doing was it was having a dialogue with film. Yeah, and a lot of video shops that came after us, you know, sort of when when Blockbuster and things like that came out, it, it was very much prescriptive. It was like these are the movies that are popular, you know, top ten sort of jukebox charts. Yeah, whereas yeah. whereas Bristol and like local video shops, independent ones, they're very much a product of their community because. Uh, you know, like you literally like probably half of the stock in the shop. We've got like over 20,000 movies, like half of it will have been people coming in and saying uh, this movie was on at the watershed or can we can you get this one in? And yeah, so yeah. we that that was what we were led by. And as a result of never getting rid of anything, like if something breaks, we just replace it. And because of that, it's just it's like the, the video shop Bristol built. Like it's like, the it's like, you know, it does feel like a slightly like like I don't know like a, an epic version of like a family's movie collection because it's just like at, at home you've got movies that your your mum or dad liked or your sister and they're very much like this is our family's collection and Bristol like 20th Century Flicks is just that for Bristol basically it's like it's a very like split personality thing <laughs> there's there's 400,000 people in this family I mean, how, like, how, how have you managed to? I mean, as as the decline, which was very quick, the decline, mm. you know, when the rise of postal and and you know blockbuster format and then Netflix and you know it, it, they they have all died off except mm. you know a very very few places, which which is you, yourselves. How did you manage to weather that storm and still come through? I mean, I mean, I I, I took over in two thousand twelve, and our turnover had. It dropped it was like about it, we used to take like probably about i don't know like two or three hundred grand a year like it was nuts like you know we employed a lot of people we had like about 15 20 people working here but as soon as it dropped off it dropped off in like two years and yeah. ev everyone you know whoever was leaving left whoever could get trained to do another job left until there were a very there was about four or five of us and we took pay cuts you know we put stuff on our credit cards during that period but like we're i i'm a, an inherently frugal skip diving person <laughs> and so you know i was just like if something broke instead of getting a copy from the from a distributor like 20 quid i would be on ebay you know i'd be going around charity shops yeah. trying to find replacements of these old movies and um and it just became much more of a um make do and mend business and we had to do that really quickly like we just got rid of all our overheads that we couldn't yeah. afford we, we ended up moving premises from Clifton because Clifton rents got insane. So we, we got a sweet deal with the council on Christmas steps. Mm -hmm. um, I built the shop with a friend just out of wood from skips, you know, all the shelving. Yeah, yeah. I built these cinemas with chairs donated from the Hippodrome. And, and you know, it was just like, um, I think that, that that's the thing. It's just we were prepared. Our, our secret weapon is we just do this for free. But, you know, you can't tell anyone that because that's your secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. 
Well, that nobody, nobody's listening, so don't don't tell anyone. Don't worry about that. But that that was that was quite a move to you know have the cinemas, the viewing cinemas that people could 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 hire out, which is a fantastic mm. thing to do. I mean, was that uh, you, you obviously you, you must have thought about that when you it, yeah, it was quite a natural progression because basically there were three of us working there who lived on boats like we all lived on boats in harbour and we'd all gotten fed up of watching movies on our laptops on boats and having the battery run out or whatever so we decided to just buy a cheap projector and some beanbags and have that in the old shop and we used to you know just watch movies there and then occasionally customers would come in and be like oh can we can we come in and watch a movie here so we're like yeah all right give us 50 quid and you can have the shop for a while and um and that was pretty you know we'd get like 15 people in this tiny little space on beanbags sitting on the floor and smoking and drinking and, and it was just it was a very like ad hoc cinema but pretty squat squat like mm -hmm. and then um and then that became clear that there was like a there was like actually quite an appetite for that for people to have like you know parties or whatever watch their favorite movies so when we when we moved we we dedicated the whole room to one screening room with 11 chairs and um and that just it was booked out every night and then so when we figured out how to rejig the shops so we could fit in another screen that that we just kind of recognized that's the thing that makes money to the, to the extent now where it's 80 percent of our income before the lockdown happened rental has just dwindled to like this you know it's still like through through lockdown it's been it's been all we've been doing so it's it is it is worth doing and it there are enough people who appreciate it but in terms of income you know we wouldn't be viable as a video shop just now uh, just as a video shop now like yeah. it has to be that's kind of why we've had to wait until opening at the same time as you guys really. It's like 7, 17th of May is when we can have the cinemas, people in the cinemas again. So there's no point staffing the shop, you know, for like eight or 10 quid a day you know, in rentals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we've all got to sort of work our way through this, this still this little bit that's that's closed. But I, what, what really struck me, because we, we've, you know, been working in partnership with, with you guys, with Cinema Rediscovered and... Mm. Um, it, which just feels like a kind of natural progression from, you know, the work that you're doing, what the watershed's been doing and the work that, you know, has been happening around Bristol in terms of, you know, that kind of just, just loving film culture um, in general, but the, but the kind of history of it and there are, you know, kind of huge, and I'm sure, you know, we know them, the, the, the kind of great cinephiles in, in Bristol and there is a kind of film loving culture. And you yeah. know, what, what happens when, you know, during Cinema Rediscovered, we've had guests come over. I mean, I'm thinking of Leslie Harris, the director of Just Another Girl in the IRT, um, you know, from New York. And, and you know, we took, her, uh, we took her over to your place and she was just absolutely blown away by... Yeah, she came back twice. She came back for one of our little lectures we did. It was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it does, I don't know, like there's... There's an, there's an accessible, but not with a capital A sort of accessibility issue because weirdly, you know, we're on the steps. We're probably one yeah, of the yeah, accessible yeah. shops, unfortunately. But um, but just in terms of like, like not like dropping all the barriers possible between people watching movies. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like I, I I felt like that that was kind of one of the reasons we we had this cinema was we wanted it to just like, you know, because you can go to you can go to a showcase or something and drop 14, 15 quid. You know on a, on a ticket and it's it's great you have a great experience but it does like mean that you probably do that once a month or something or yeah, if yeah. That, if you're, you know you're you're not on high income whereas you get it down to about five quid a seat and all of a sudden it's just like okay that i can take a punt on watching something that i haven't seen before or yeah. you know you don't want to spend 15 quid on a risk you know something you don't necessarily know you're going to like so dropping that that was important for me was dropping down these barriers so people would start yeah. taking chances and watching films they hadn't they wouldn't necessarily see 
and it and it's also the 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 community as you say I and mean, it kind of reminds me of vinyl shops when you know which have made a sort of independent vinyl record shops you know have really sort of um come back over the past decade and it just sort of reminds me of that um community in that sense of enthusiasm around the subject whether it's music yeah. or, or, or film and that's really you can sort of you know you can find your tribe as it were within the the the, the collection you know and yeah find you know what it is that's that's as you said earlier like the kind of thing your, your fingerprint and find the connections you know yeah and a lot of the important moments from from our experience of having these people in watching films is the bits before they watch the film and the bits after like they'll come in they'll browse the shop they'll talk about movies they'll go in and watch this movie they'll come out and they'll be either buzzing or they won't have liked it or whatever and they'll yeah. just and then you'll have another half hour discussion with a load of people about other films and they'll take other stuff and it just sort of awakens that sort of um curiosity in yeah. in this massive rich history of cinema that people kind of like you know you kind of need to light that fire and then then it then it's then it when, once it's starting it's like no this is a really worthwhile way to spend my free time is like watching these some of these great movies that i've heard of but never watched is it is it just 20th century flicks or are there other are there other have you come across other places across the uk or internationally that are similarly like-minded in their commitment to you know these formats and and that kind of shop type environment yeah i mean the one like one that really sticks out is there's one in in the wirral called snips run by a guy called dave wayne and he he does he's just like just mad into horror like he does a lot of um he does a lot of writing um for horror journals and and you know those booklets you get in movies and stuff and and his his collection is incredible but it's you know he's just dedicated to getting anything with with blood and <laughs> and screaming you know anything that gets released that's horror he'll get it in where and um and so that and he's managed to keep that going obviously that's the labor of love because it's just him on his own mm. and he's but he loves the medium essentially it seems and and the other one i've been in touch with quite a lot recently is scarecrow video which is in seattle mm. and um they've got the biggest collection in the world as far as they've got about one hundred and forty thousand movies um like really you know insanely rare stuff for like and it's a it's, it's run by a board of trustees but it's a private company they're not getting government support so it's not like the congress you know film film library or something yeah, yeah, yeah and and they're really dedicated to preserving and sort of spreading you know sort of making these films available to people just off their own back which isn't you know isn't easy they're they're sort of actually looking to do something similar to us now with the screening rooms yeah so i think they recognize that financially to to sort of fund these archives without without any strings of like government grants and stuff that could get taken away at any point independence and you know sort of maintaining these archives is, is really important to them too it's, it's a really interesting point because i i know from experience at watershed that you know there's maybe an older title that we want to show as part of a season and we said to the distributor you, you know what show it the distributor said well you can have the rights to show it but you need to find yourself a copy because we don't know where it is i've been i've been on the phone to you guys and you know it's like have you got this you know and and you have and then i've been able to screen it um, yeah, because, you know, obviously the distributors agreed that we can do it. Yeah, we just need to find a copy, you know. Um, yeah, it's weird. Like, like I remember thinking, like when 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 downloads kicked off, like obviously it was first with music and all the record shops went out of business, and then it started happening with film. And I thought, oh, like I had this real like like hatred of 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 these these torrenting sites. And then it wasn't till later, like you know, when all the businesses have gone out, you know, all the video shops have gone out of business, and we're just stuck there, and and 
it seemed I, I became very jealous of this archiving role that um torrenting like the pirate bay and things like that they, they essentially had these these really hard to get movies you know illegitimately but but available and and they it seemed like quite for movie lovers especially it just seemed to become quite an important archive in itself like this weird pirate sort of um community of, of film lovers keeping these films available and yeah it is it is it is a strange uh like relationship i think the well, film i mean exactly and the thing is that you 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 know if you speak to uh, you know collectors and archivists from you know way back the the the, the history of you know going back to the early days of film then i mean it was you, you would do anything to, to preserve and keep a copy, you know, whether yeah. viewers or not, you know, you'd have it. And I mean, yeah. the, the French, um, the, the French cinematheque that was set up by, you know, set up around Henri Longwar, the great, you know, collector. I mean, he was grabbing films from wherever yeah. he could get them because it's the only copy. Yeah. And it does seem like it's very much part of that tradition. Like no one's making money from, from hosting these, these sites and no one's making money from sharing these movies. Yeah. They're getting the movies for free, which is obviously the, the big incentive, but there's, there's no reason someone's, someone keeps like a hard drive of terabytes of old movies from like pre-code times. They're not doing that, you know, for, for mercenary reasons yeah um so it is quite it's an interesting i wonder if yeah i'm sure someone's done a phd in this and sort of the role of bootleggers it, it, if, if not they will be yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're sort of like the legitimate the yeah. legitimate version of pirate bay at the moment <laughs> as i mentioned earlier we're um watershed's going to be uh, opening uh, this month and we've got that list of films that have just um, come from the Oscars, which is Nomadland, we mentioned, and Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, um, Sound of You're doing Sound of Metal, yeah. Yeah, we're doing oh, Sound of Metal, the, the, the Reza Ahmed, um, and Minari, uh, which um, the, the, um, the actress won. Um, yeah, she's great. Whose name escapes me, but who won the Best Supporting Actress, the, the yeah. grandmother in it. Grandma. Strong um, boy. Strong boy. Yeah, who, who she's great. Who said who, who thought was brilliant in the in the Oscars in her speech where she said um well she thanked her sons for for um you, you know because they make her go out and work. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is what this is what she does. She goes out and works for them. And so yeah. She got she got the Oscar. Um but I, again Amazing. another fantastic um film. And then um the father's coming up uh, uh in June. Um, but there's a really, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. You can tell I'm cautiously optimistic because because in this COVID world, I think you've always got to have an element of caution. But I, I'm optimistic that there's some fantastic films coming through for our audience and for audiences in general. Yeah, it's it, it's going to be great seeing an audience back in the cinema. And we, I mentioned also that we're we're hatching plans with you guys for Cinema Rediscovered. Yeah. Um, late, later in the year. But what's what sort of what what's how are things looking from your side then from the shop in terms of reopening and what plans have you got um, and what are you looking forward to? Yeah, so we're like I say we're we're probably we're going to open the cinemas on the seventeenth again. We've already we've already started taking bookings for like the you know from May onwards. So our our first one, yours is No Man's Land. Uh, no Man's Land. Ours is um, someone wants to watch the pilot of Twin Peaks and episode two. Right. So that's that's the first one we're opening with. I might, so, I might, I might, I might, I might come along to that actually. Yeah, yeah so I, I think that so it's a maximum of six we're sticking with. Yeah, yeah. So it is like these these very intimate groups. So a lot of people are coming in 
like you like you say it's almost like it's almost like you've been like the, the, there's been a dam of all these films that build, building up over the year and and yeah. once may comes like yeah. all these films from the past 12 months that a lot of people have loved they'll be able to get to see at the cinema so that's probably going to be our roster for the next few months is just stuff that's been out and and hopefully you know i'm sure it's probably more important for you is that these people sort of who love these movies watching them on the tv at home like them enough to come and pay you know to see them at the cinema and i hope that's kind of what happens here as well as is that people are like no i watched that i really liked it i'd like to see it properly <laughs> and, well I, th- uh, I think that that's my optimism is is that you know, people can see films in all sorts of different streaming platforms, whatever. But I think that is what people have missed is that social part of it and also the kind of bigger screen experience. And I think, you know, cinema will will, will start flexing its muscles again. I hope so. I hope <laughs> so. Because like we're here and we want you. We still love you. Yeah. And you need to get that that sort of like, what's it, there's a phrase going around at the moment, everyone's languishing. And it's sort of this idea that like discipline, the discipline of film watching, like it's not obviously you're going to watch a movie. It's not like a trial, but like the focus you get in a cinema and the, the no phones thing. You know, we've, we've all we've all sort of fallen out of that habit and like watching movies is, as as great as they might be. I watched Minari and I made the mistake of not switching my phone off. And it's a beautiful movie. I really liked it. But as soon as there's a lag or something, you know, your mind wanders and it's like, oh, actually, I forgot to check if that if that message went through. And I hate that. And I hate that. And it's something that I like, I need that discipline of the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> I need that back in my life to just yeah. like get, you know, if I'm going to watch this movie, like give it two hours of my life, I really want to give yeah, it yeah. that yeah. time rather than like, you know, 20% of my you know, concentration. And yeah, every time there's a little lag in it intentionally or not, like you're just like, oh, what about, oh, I should go and have a snack from the fridge. You know, I, well, I need stay, that discipline. Stay focused. Stay focused. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Thanks very much, Dave. Um, good luck with it, and I will see you. And you, yeah. I will see you in the cinema at some point this month. Yeah, I'll, I'll sit in front of you with that big hat on, and we can, <laughs> we can, like, we can, we can, like, long for the days where it's just you on a sofa watching. On your- <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks very much. That's all for this month. You can find out um, what what's on at watershed watershed.co.uk. And Dave, if people want to find out about 20th Century Flicks. Um, yeah, we've got a website, or probably like the website's 20thcenturyflicks.co.uk and there's Twitter, which we're at, at 20thcflicks, or just come by the shop late afternoon and knock on the window and I can have a chat with you. That's great. Thanks very much. Welcome. Thanks.